I want to start with a question. See what you think. The answer may surprise you. If you're involved in a conflict with someone else, who has the most power in that conflict? And what I mean by the question is this. If there's one person in the conflict who's very verbal, maybe pretty loud, and they're doing all the talking, and the other person in that conflict is saying absolutely nothing, who actually has the power in that conflict? actually the person who's silent. And the reason I say that is because you don't know what they're thinking. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know anything about their position, thoughts, or anything until they speak. The most powerful person in that situation is the one who is silent. In a sense, silence is the worst. It's the most frustrating and we all have experienced that with another person we're having a conflict with. Let me know what you're thinking. What is wrong? We need to hear from that other person. The reason I talk about that is because there was a long period when God was silent. God had made some big promises to his people, Israel. And then he was silent for a long period of time. I want to look at just a little, a couple of those, the main one being in Daniel. There's a lot of prophecies about what God is going to do in the Old Testament, of what will come later. Some of those prophecies we could legitimately call promises, that God made a promise. I will do this. I'm going to come back and do this. And of course, if you're Israel, you're holding on to those promises. The one I want to look at today is in the book of Daniel. This is Israel, as at this point, they are already captives in Babylon. Jerusalem has been conquered. The nation of Israel is not its own nation. They are slaves in Babylon. Daniel is a Jew, but he's working for the king of Babylon. And God gives him a dream that is a promise of what is going to happen. And in that dream, there are four creatures but then a rock, a mountain comes and crushes all of them. And God explains it in the passage we want to read. Daniel 2, starting in verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces, all those other kingdoms. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. God promised Israel that he would come back and establish a forever kingdom in Israel, with Israel. There are many more that we could read. I want to read one more, however, because it's in the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, chapter 4, the last chapter. In a sense, you could say it is one of the last things that God says to his people before he's silent. Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace, 
All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them, to the evil. But to you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Those are wonderful promises that God had made to Israel. The problem is that that last promise that we read from Malachi, the last book, as far as we know, written for the Old Testament, was written in 433 B.C. 433 years before Jesus came to earth. 400 years of silence. No more prophets. No more miracles. No more God moving. Nothing. Silence. Not even, hold on, 100 more years. Absolutely nothing. The Israel had endured the Babylonians. They had endured the Persians. They had endured the Greeks. They had endured the Romans. All of those were in Daniel's vision, and they all came to pass. But in the midst of that, God was silent. I want you to think about that for a minute. 433 years. I got on my computer and went backwards, and that ends up, for us, it would be in 1586, God said, I'm going to come back and help you. Now, you all know what happened in 1586, of course. That's where I had to look on my computer. Actually, the first Roanoke colony said, this new country is too tough for us, and they all got in their ships, and they went back to England. It would be 20 more years after that before the Jamestown colony would be established. 40 more years, no, 34 more years before Plymouth and 200 years before the Revolutionary War. That far back, God said, I'm going to come back. And then nothing. How would you do with that? Would you today be one sitting there saying, ah, don't worry, God's got this. Basically, 450 years. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. How would we handle that? We do have to face that, don't we? I would suspect that most of us in this room at some point have faced those times when for us it feels like God is silent. Maybe you're in one of those times today. This isn't just an issue out of history. It is a relevant issue that we all face sooner or later. We ask for something and we don't hear an answer from God. We don't even hear the answer, no, we just don't hear. And we wait and we wait and we ask and we read the Bible and we pray and we're looking for something and there's just that silence. I'm in some ways comforted by David because he was a man after God's own heart. One of the humans closest to God and even David had to write in Psalm 13, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me, not pay attention to me? At least I'm not the only one who's had to face that. Israel did, David did. We see that repeatedly. It's not that there's something wrong with us. It's part of the spiritual life. God is doing his thing. And we don't understand and we don't know what's going on. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't care. And that's part of what I want us to talk about today. The reason for the silence. Because it's hard when you're in that time. I can't imagine how hard it was for Israel. Nation after nation came in and conquered them. And they never had the strength to stand up and defeat them. And then another nation would come. And how hard it was for them. And how hard it is for us today when we have to wait on God. The one thing that we can hold on to as we wait is that God doesn't change. God's nature does not change. His character does not change. God is a good God all the time. God loves us all the time. God is a righteous God who always does the right thing all the time, even when he's silent. And we may not understand, and we may not know what he's doing, but we can hold on to, he is still good. He still loves us. He still does what is right. He is wiser than us. His ways are higher than ours. All of those truths out of Scripture. Does it make it easy to wait? No. Does it make it easier? I hope so. God knows what he's doing. Paul tells us in Galatians 4 a fascinating thing. When the set time had come, God sent his son. That is a key verse, I think, in the, Old, in the New Testament. is a key verse for understanding why Christ came when he did. Now the NIV says when the set time had come. Most translations translate that when the fullness of time had come. I like the NIV, but in this case, I think the other translations have a better picture of what the Greek said. Because it is not the concept, the word that is used is not the concept of a certain date. And we just got to wait for that date to happen. It is a concept of when everything is filled up. That's why that fullness of time. But the concept behind it is that there, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and this needs to happen. And now when everything is gathered together and I've got all that I need, now we can do this. And that's when Christ came. In the fullness of time. When God had everything ready. We could spend all day talking about that. But I want, you to th I want to just throw out four quick things. That I, just, I think it's just awesome how God works. First of all, we needed an, a, a universal language so that everybody could hear the good news. Now that takes a while. If you think about it, if you, anybody have ever studied a language, it's not easy to learn a new language. Well, what if your task is you need to teach the whole world a new language? Well, that's going to take a while. And it did. And it was called Greek, and it was brought by Alexander the Great. 
and the whole world learned its first universal language. You've got to have that. You also got to have uh, an ability to spread the good news, move around, and that took an even greater empire called Rome. And the Pax Romana, it was called, for the first time in history, the world was at peace. The world, the, the world around the Mediterranean, ever, the first time ever, the world was at peace so that you could travel in safety from Israel to Spain and Greece to Africa. And with that peace came for the first time ever roads. No one had ever built roads across countries, not like the Romans did. There are Roman, there are Roman roads still today in Italy that are still functioning 2,000 years later because they knew how to build roads. They invented interstate roads. Think of our interstate system. That's what the Romans built. So you now, for the first time and ever, because of peace and communication and travel, you could go from one end to the other. And the fourth thing I want to throw out for you is when Jesus came to earth was at an unparalleled time of change in the world, similar to what we are living in today. When all of the old ideas are being questioned and the people were being bombarded with all these new ideas because of all this peace and freedom and travel and merchants bringing new ideas from all over the world, there was for the first time ever all of the traditional religions were being questioned. And everybody was looking to all these new religious ideas that were coming from the East. And in the midst of that unparalleled questioning about religion, what better time for the good news of Jesus Christ to come. God waited 400 years because he had a lot to get ready. The fullness of time when everything was ready. And that's when, Jesus, when God finally speaks. And, he, and Christ comes. The sermon series this December, I've called Unfinished, the why of Christmas. Each year we talk about the events of the Christmas story. But this year I want us to look at the backstory. What was really going on? Why did all this happen? And one of the reasons all of this happened, that Christ came to earth, is that God was finally going to speak. And his silence was over. 433 years of waiting, and God is going to break that silence. And what does he break it with? What do you break a silence with? A word. And what does John say? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And that word came down here. And became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I think it's the message that says, and he moved into the neighborhood. 
we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God didn't just keep his promise to deliver Israel. He went above and beyond anything they expected. God said, I will not just break my promise and start communicating with you again. I myself will come to earth so that you can see me and touch me and hear me. I will come that close to you. And it was worth the wait. And that's why Christmas happened. That's one of the reasons Christmas happened. That God became Emmanuel, God with us. He did more than just come to deliver. He came to take up residence in a human form with us. So we can know God in a way never before imagined. We can watch him. We can hear him teach. We can see how he treats those in need and those who are hurting. We can see how he stands up to self-righteous bullies. And we learn so much about our God because when he finally broke his silence, he did it in a way beyond anyone's dreams. Is God silent for you today? There's a lesson in Christmas. Israel had had to wait a long time. And they had had to endure the silence of God. And it wasn't easy for them. And it's never easy for us when we have to wait on God. But in that time, if you're in that time, I want you to remember this story, this, this way of looking at Christmas. Because part of the why of Christmas is that God said, I have not forgotten you. I've been getting some things ready, and I've been doing some big work to get everything ready. But it was because I wanted to give you something so great. It would be beyond your greatest dreams. And that's your God. The same God who loves you. And who has promised that he will not forget you. He will not forsake you. He may wait. He may have a different plan. His ways may not be our ways. But he promises that his ways are always loving. And his ways are higher than our ways. And sometimes he asks us to wait. And sometimes he is silent. I think sometimes he says there's nothing I can say that will help you right now. You're going to have to wait. But I urge you to trust him. Do not let go of his hand. He is the God of Christmas. He is the God who when he finally spoke, I think we all would say, I'm so glad he waited. Because it was worth the wait. That's his promise to you, to each of us. His plan is always worth the wait. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the explanation that Paul gave us of why you needed to wait and why you were silent. Help us when we face that same situation. Help those who are here today waiting.
longing to hear something from you. We ask you to move as soon as you can. And I know in your love you do not delay needlessly. Just to watch us suffer, you love us too much. And so help us hold on to your hand, trust you, trust your love, your goodness, your wisdom, your righteousness. Help us as we wait. And we rejoice for what you did as the word come to earth. Thank you for the gift of Jesus in Bethlehem. Pray this in his name. Amen.